You're listening to the Course Report Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Course Report is the most complete resource for coding boot camps. On our site, we have thousands of reviews, hundreds of interviews, and a full directory of every coding boot camp around the world. On our podcast, we're sharing everything you need to stay up to date on this blossoming industry. Whether you're a bootcamp founder or a future student, we hope you'll learn something on the Course Report Podcast. Hello and welcome to the March 2022 Coding Bootcamp News Roundup. I'm Liz. And I'm Jess. And we are from the Course Report team. So we spend our days helping students choose the best coding bootcamps for them. But each month, Jess and I round up all of the most interesting bootcamp industry news that we read about and chatted about in the Course Report office. And we share it all with you. Yeah, so in recent course report news, this March we've released our best ofs lists for cybersecurity, tech sales, digital marketing, and product management boot camps. To find the truly best boot camps for each of these tracks, we poured over each program's curriculum and then thousands of student and alumni reviews. Yeah, it's a very long process. It takes us months to put these lists together, but Jess and I are always so excited to whittle down those lists of the top, you know, 20 or so best boot camps for each of those categories. So if you're interested in learning cybersecurity, tech sales, digital marketing, or product management this year, definitely start with those best of lists. Mm-hmm. So we will link to those in our roundup on the blog. So in this episode of the podcast, we're going to cover the latest about Pell Grants for short-term programs, a new apprenticeship organization, and two new groups that are working to hold boot camps accountable. We've also got the latest on how the Great Resignation continues to change the world of work and some inspiring programs that are helping support Afghani women in tech and artists who are making the leap into coding careers. Plus, we're going to tell you about the 10 new coding boot camps that we added to the course report directory this March. We saw a bit of news this month about coding boot camps expanding their reach to new sectors. So, Liz, what's the latest with the Italian boot camp EpiCode? Well, according to TechEU, EpiCode School has joined Strive School to rebrand itself as EpiCode and has also raised their 10 million euro Series A. EpiCode teaches six-month courses that are mastery-based, structured, and personalized. All of those courses are online, and then they come with a live interactive component for student engagement. Their CEO, Ivan Ronza, said that their first step is to establish EpiCode as the leader in Europe, and then also to move from a coding school to a career acceleration platform. So far, EpiCode trained 1,000 students in 2021, and those are distributed 50% in Germany, UK, and the Nordics, and 50% in Italy. Hmm, Sounds like a big expansion. Yeah, huge. They're pretty new, too. Definitely. And so Higher Ed Dive did a recap of strategic education growth over the past few years. Um, Strategic is the parent company of Strayer and Capella Universities, which owns the coding boot camps Hackbright Academy and Dev Mountain. Their revenue grew to $1.1 billion in 2021, a 10.1% year-over-year increase. The big takeaway from this article in Higher Ed Dive is that Strategic is continuing to expand its presence in the corporate training space, which really comes as no surprise in this current job market. 10.1% year over year growth. That is no joke. It's huge. 
Yeah. yeah. And Higher Ed Dive also got the CUNY system on our radar this month. CUNY or the City University of New York system announced that they are spending $8 million of their federal relief funds to create their own in-house OPM named CUNY Online. And since this is in the very early planning stages still, there's no word yet if this will include technical training, although we're going to bet that it will since coding data and cybersecurity skills are so in demand. We've also seen those other OPMs like To You and Emeritus really expand a ton in the last couple of years. Liz, so there was an update on Pell expansion in March, but first, what's the latest on these new outcome standards organizations? Well, this is the only the start of the discussion here, but Higher Ed Dive wrote about a new nonprofit organization called the Workforce Talent Educators Association, or WTEA, that is attempting to accredit career-focused programs and degrees and to measure quality for them. And that would, of course, include boot camps. Founding members include the private student loan provider Ascent Funding, and then Coding Bootcamp's New Camp and Full Stack Academy are also behind WTEA. And then Michael B. Horn wrote about his nonprofit Equos, E-Q-O-S, being acquired by Jobs for the Future uh, in February. ECO stands for the Education Quality Outcomes Standards Board, and that means that we've got two new organizations in addition to CIRR, which we've talked about for a while, the Council on Integrity and Results Reporting, that are all attempting to measure outcomes at boot camps. And so far, both the WTEA and EQUOS has two to four boot camps signed on and will certainly amplify results from either or both of those when they start to release actual outcomes from the schools. I'm going to anticipate that we'll talk a lot more about <laughs> these yeah. both of these groups next month as, as those both continue to kind of take shape. Yeah, definitely shaking up the space there. Mm-hmm. All right, so now the latest on Pell Grants. So last month, if you remember, we were super excited that the U.S. House of Representatives passed an amendment that would allow students who enrolled in some short training programs to be eligible for Pell Grants. That amendment was attached to a $350 billion plan that was about boosting manufacturing and research. This month, though, um, the Senate passed a very different version of this bill since Congress still has to focus on their pandemic response and aid for now. All of this is really to say that the Pell Grants for the short-term programs bill is back on ice for the moment. But whether Republicans take the House this fall or not, this Pell Grant bill does have bipartisan support, which anyone who's living in America knows that's a really rare thing these days. So there's still a very, very good chance that this will pass eventually. The question is now coming down to when. And in the work shift newsletter this month, James Dean Ward shared his take on the Pell expansion issue, specifically around online programs. Online education programs will be excluded from Pell expansion, but as Ward writes, banning the use of these funds based on the mode of delivery is short-sighted and counterproductive. 
I'm going to take this straight from the article because it's nice and succinct. Ward writes, instead, accreditors and states should be focused on the end result, value for the student consumer, not mode or method of teaching. Ideally, we would use randomized control experiments to understand the value of these short-term programs and how that value varies across fields of study and modes of delivery. While the Department of Education did conduct an experiment to gauge the impact of Pell expansion, it looked only at enrollment and completion and the effects between online and in-person programs were not explored. Excluding online programs during a time when the utility of distance learning has been underscored stands to limit access for students who may not have reliable transportation or consistent schedules that make on-campus programs feasible. So if Congress believes uh, short-term programs are valuable enough to expand Pell, excluding online programs stands to limit access to the students who may need it the most. Mm -hmm. I think that's really well said. Yeah, definitely. It seems so Mm short-sighted to not have online programs. Yeah, at least do the research. Yeah. So making a career change has become all the rage in 2022. The most recent job openings and labor turnover survey from this February show that there are a record 5 million more job openings in the U.S. economy than the number of available workers. Plus, people quitting their jobs jumped from 94,000 in January to 4.35 million. The folks at Morning Brew broke this number down further, pointing out that right now in America, there are 1.8 jobs for every unemployed person. With all of that in mind, we saw quite a bit more news about hiring for skills and not degrees. Liz, what's the federal administration's take on this right now? Well, if you tuned into President Biden's State of the Union address in March, um, you'll know that he called on employers to hire based on skills, not degrees. And in HR Dive, Kyakti Sundaram responded to that call, saying that in place of resumes, skills-based assessments such as work sample tests or coding challenges can be deployed to find the person with the best skill set for the job. Sundaram says that research has shown this approach where, you know, candidates are given role-specific scenarios to find out how they'll fare in practice is three times more accurate a predictor on how successful someone will be in a job. And we're starting to see this in state policies. So Governor Larry Hogan of Maryland eliminated the four-year degree requirement for thousands of state agency jobs that was announced this March. The state of Maryland employs more than 38,000 people, and the Maryland Department of Budget and Management estimates that more than half of those jobs could be performed by people without that traditional four-year degree. And just a heads up to anyone in Maryland who's on the job hunt now, there's over 300 of these government jobs in Maryland listed on their website, and we'll be sure to link to that. Protocol announced that LinkedIn added 13 new job title options to reflect career breaks for professionals, including caregiving, career transitions, bereavement, layoffs, personal goal pursuit, voluntary work, and health and well-being breaks. According to LinkedIn, hiring managers' view of a career gap as a red flag has changed, and 79% of hiring managers now say that they would hire a candidate with a career gap on their resume. So, I mean, I think that is just a great sign for career changers, and it's also mm-hmm. a nice option for bootcamp students to use for their LinkedIn when they're learning. They can now put, you know, career transition as a kind of job title or to reflect that they were making that career change uh, on their LinkedIn profile. Yeah, that's such a helpful new feature. Yeah. Yeah. 
Along with hard skills over degrees, we're also seeing an increased emphasis on soft skills. A recent Thomson Reuters article calls soft skills the, quote, new power skills, especially in the remote and hybrid work environment world that we now all or most of us live in. Soft skills are more human-centered, and employers today are looking for new hires with excellent communication skills, social and emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and the ability to work within a team. On a side note, we're seeing so many coding boot camps and digital skills boot camps also emphasizing soft skills training as part of their curriculum to make sure that all kinds of grads are ready for the jobs in tech today. Totally. I love that word, power skills. Yeah. It's a great <laughs> kind of modernization of soft skills. And CBC News in Canada put this theory into context by reporting on four people who found new careers at coding boot camps in March. So, for example, Alejandro Calzadilla was a freelance professional cellist in Quebec City, but COVID-19 dried up all of his work in early 2020, and he decided it was time to reinvent himself. So he attended Le Wagon in uh, Montreal and now has a job as a software developer with Zilia which is a Quebec-based medical technology company. He says he still like plays music, but it's more for himself now and not as uh, you know a career that he's relying on. And then they also interviewed some Canadian boot camps. And I think there were some nice stats to share from this. Um, Lighthouse Labs said that they've seen a 45 to 50% increase in applicants since summer 2020. CodeCore College saw its class sizes increase 25% since fall 2020. And then they also talked to Lowagon, which said that they had more students coming from um, the arts and music hmm. uh, backgrounds and enrolling at their boot camp. Yeah. And along those lines, the LA Times published a piece this month highlighting artists who have moved into the tech space. Broadway performer Catherine Riccafort McCreary and her husband, who is a cellist, Scott McCreary, both enrolled in boot camps just before the pandemic. It was like 2018, 2019, and were working as software engineers when the pandemic hit in 2020. They saw so many of their working artist friends instantly lose their jobs in these COVID lockdowns. And so they decided to create an online volunteer-run organization called Artists Who Code. So since it started in March 2020, Artists Who Code has grown to over 250 members worldwide, and it's continuing to grow. And its sole purpose is really to offer community support and guidance to artists who are either interested in making a career change into tech or are now working in tech themselves. This sounds like just such a powerful and inspiring community, and we wanted to spread the word about it in case any of our listeners or readers are interested in connecting with this organization. Yeah, because just how many people have we interviewed <laughs> yeah. who so many. were working yeah. in the arts or were freelance musicians or, you know had that passion, but, um, went to a boot camp and are now working as engineers. Totally. Really yeah, cool. There's, overlap. there's so many of them as well in our, in our alumni spotlight stories. All right. And here's a fun alumni story. Momentum put out a press release about a family of four sisters who have all changed careers 
at Momentum. One of the sisters, Karen Elaine, said, quote, as Black women ranging in age from 34 to 51 with different levels of education and diverse professional backgrounds, changing our careers at this stage in our lives is definitely risky and it takes courage, but my family and I support, challenge, and inspire each other to continuously grow into our best selves and to be the best in our fields. Love that. that. Such a cool story. Amazing. Poor sisters. There was more buzz about funding apprenticeships here in the U.S. So Liz, what is this new apprenticeship program? Ryan Craig, who has long been a proponent of apprenticeships, is now on the board of a new organization called Apprenticeships for America, which will create a network of intermediary groups to encourage collaboration and create new incentives, such as a federal pay-for-performance pilot that would provide funding for each apprentice that they train in place. Apprenticeships for America will focus on apprenticeships that are registered with the U.S. Department of Labor, and there are some boot camps that are registered apprenticeships in that way. Um, They're doing that because those types of apprenticeships offer a unified federal system of quality assurance and ensures that apprenticeships are leading to better jobs at a national industry-recognized credential. So it's an interesting group. Yeah. SC Media reports that Full Stack Academy has partnered with the nonprofit CyberUp to offer a year-long apprenticeship for cybersecurity employees. So these apprentices first complete the cybersecurity training portion with Full Stack, and then CyberUp finds them a company to apprentice with where they'll receive a full-time salary with benefits while continuing to receive support from CyberUp. This sounds like just such a great blueprint for expanding this kind of partner program to other fields. Well, March is Women's History Month, so this is a nice time to talk about diversity in boot camps. And Jess, you found a really inspiring story this month about women in tech in Afghanistan. Yeah, I caught this really great story that was featured on News Center Maine about Freshta Furrow, um, an Afghani woman who runs a coding bootcamp style program for young Afghani women. It's called Code to Inspire. And since it opened in 2015, they've graduated over 200 women students with 60% of those grads landing tech roles. Since the Taliban reclaimed the country last year, Code to Inspire had to close its physical campus, and it's now operating online and basically under the radar. Um, I just found it so impressive and courageous that this program continues to help women in Afghanistan learn these skills that help them make a good salary in spite of the new challenging sanctions that they now live under. And in CNBC this March, Ashton Jackson wrote that despite the growing popularity of tech jobs, Black talent is still extremely underrepresented in the industry. Black women specifically make up only 1.7% and Black professionals as a whole account only for 7.4% of the tech workforce. That is so low. (laughs) It's low, yes. But according to a recent Jobs for the Future survey of more than a thousand Black adults, over six in 10 do not currently work in digital or IT, but would be open to changing careers. 39% of survey participants said that free internet-based educational resources would help them make the switch to digital and IT-based careers. 33% indicated that they would take career or technical education courses. 31% said that they would participate in workforce development programs. And 31% would participate in community-based learning opportunities. So Mm. we know that all of those opportunities exist. 
and folks are excited about participating in them to kind of like bridge that gap. Yeah. And this would be another excellent reason why the Pell Grant for short-term training would be great for online programs Mm -hmm. um, to help these folks as well get into the tech pipeline. Absolutely. All right, Jess, well, let's run through new campuses and schools that we added to the course report directory in March. Yeah, so Tech Elevator announced that it's opening a new campus in Dallas, Texas. They're now accepting applications for their first cohort, which is going to begin in May of this year. And while this isn't a new school or or a new campus, we wanted to give a shout out for the virtual 21-day data challenge at Lighthouse Labs, which is starting on April 11th. This is a data challenge that helps total beginners learn the basics of Python and SQL, and participants have the possibility of winning some great prizes, like a Nintendo Switch or an iPad or vacation airfare. And we've talked to a lot of folks that went through the 21-day challenge and then enrolled full-time at Lighthouse Mm -hmm. Labs. So can also just be like a great kind of onboarding process, you know, into a full-time boot camp. Yeah. And as for new schools in the course report directory, we added the online coding boot camps, GenSpark, Geeks Hubs Academy, Academia Geek, and Odin School. We added UX Design Bootcamp Dribble and Blockchain Bootcamp Encode Club. And you can now find Careers in Code, which offers technical training to women and minorities in central New York in our listings, as well as Greenfield Community College Bootcamps, which is powered by Upright Education. And finally, we've added the new Data Science Bootcamp Swiss Code Academy and Power Coders, which offers students an internship experience after they finish their bootcamp training. So welcome. Yeah, welcome to those 10 new schools. Okay, Jess, well, as usual, let's wrap this episode up by sharing our favorite pieces that we got to work on for the course report blog in March. Jess, do you want to kick this off? What was your favorite? I mean, it was a really full month of so many excellent pieces, so super hard to choose from. But one that has really stuck with me this month is this alumni spotlight I did with a recent careerist bootcamp grad named Roman. So Roman was managing projects for a flooring company in Portland, Oregon. And with the online part-time manual QA bootcamp at Careerist, he was able to learn a whole new skill set without quitting his job. So soon after the bootcamp, Roman was able to make that career change. He landed his first manual QA job at Nike as a contract position. And then he enrolled in careerist short course in QA automation while he was working at Nike, just because he wanted to continue growing his QA career. So after that short course was completed, he then moved on to his new automated QA engineer position at Tesla. Um, Just like what a great (laughs) career change for him. Um, So QA just sounds like such a really wonderful field to get into, especially if you're someone who's good at problem solving. Plus with manual QA, you don't need to know how to code. So if this sounds like something that you'd be interested in, definitely check out this Q&A with Roman to just help you get started and kind of mapping out what your career change could look like. Definitely. I'm loving learning more about some of these like entry points into tech, like IT Mm -hmm. support and manual QA that don't necessarily mean that you have to learn a whole programming language, but are a fantastic like first step into tech. Um, So I loved that Q&A, Jess. 
And um, do you want to know my favorite? Yes. Okay. I'd love to know what you loved working on this month. <laughs> well, I got to reconnect with Nikki Stone, who graduated from Sambio eight years ago. And I've talked to her two times before. Um, and we just talked about her career trajectory. She went from a junior.net developer to a co-founder to a developer advocate at AWS and then to a senior iOS engineer at AWS. And then I know she's so legit. And then Nikki just started a new job as a staff engineer at Meta, which is like an incredibly impressive job to land. And she really opened up with advice for new junior level developers um, and just about like kind of her career trajectory. And I really suggest reading that one. If you are thinking about going to a boot camp, wondering where you could be in eight to 10 years, mm-hmm. um, Nikki is a fantastic role model. Yeah. And that does it for our March podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in. Keep checking in on Course Report for the latest about online and in-person bootcamp opportunities. We'll see you next month on the April Coding Bootcamp News Roundup. And of course, as always, we love feedback. So email us your thoughts at hello at coursereport.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please help other future boot campers find it by going to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you found this podcast, subscribing to the Course Report podcast and leaving us a review. And we will see you in April. Yeah. Happy spring, everyone. Absolutely.